much for tuning in to mom boss chronicles my name is jen this is sue and this is danielle we are three moms that work together in real estate and are good friends and here to talk to you about fun topics the good the bad the ugly of mom struggles real estate and other fun stuff so make sure to subscribe to listen to more hey everyone just wanted to give you a quick update about today's episode with maureen spatero from press pause This is a trigger warning for anyone who may be sensitive to the topics of sexual abuse or domestic violence. In today's episode, we go over Maureen's experience with both. So if this is a topic that may trigger you, or if you have young listeners around, make sure to listen to this episode with caution. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome back, everyone, to Mom Boss Chronicles. Today, we have a really special guest, Maureen Spatero. She is an author of a book called Press Pause. I just got it last week and I read it within two days. I could not put it down. It was an amazing book. It dealt with a really tough topic about your mental breakdown. Yes. 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 So, I mean, the one word after I read the book that I thought about, brave. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I thought you were so brave to be so honest about everything that you had gone through in your past. I appreciate that. Yeah. About your mental breakdown, putting it out there for the world. Yeah, I felt I think you could agree. It's an important message. It's a very important message. A lot of people will say that I'm brave, that I'm courageous. And what I tell them is I'm not any braver or more courageous than than any of you. I'm just willing. Mm -hmm. And like willingness to me is our superpower. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to say, okay, I'm going to be that person who's going to look other people in the eye and say, so let me tell you a story, <laughs> yeah. especially if you think it's going to save other people or, you know, maybe they know someone who needs to read that story. Yeah. Then sometimes the only way to be able to do that is to be willing. Yeah. And um, so I did. I, I, I just said I, I, people are going to need to hear the story. And how old were you right before the mental breakdown? I was 49 when I had the breakdown. Wow. 49. I was just going into, I was a few months away from my 50th birthday. So you were living your life with trauma from childhood. Yes, because I'm a survivor of incest, pedophilia, rape, and domestic violence by eight different men throughout my life. Wow. took me a long time to admit it was that many. I think I stopped at six, and then I was like, it's early eight. I should start telling the truth, or I'm going to look like a liar. And it started at the age of six with my stepfather. Uh, And in your book, one of the things that I read was that you realized your mom and your aunts also had gone through this, so this was like a generational... Every woman in my family married a pedophile. Wow. Yeah, if it wasn't their first husband, it was the man that they led into their life after their husband. So every woman in my family has been sexually abused, uh, and some of them even outside of the family. So there are multiple traumas for a lot of the women in my family. And it was something that you guys didn't talk about really growing up, right? No, we didn't talk about it at all. I I actually didn't start to find out about their whole history (laughs) until my stepfather told me the truth about my mom and my dad because my dad was my mom's first boyfriend and she got pregnant Mm -hmm. and he left and you know she was a single parent but she always told me for my sake Mm -hmm. no you know your dad loved you but we were so young we didn't know and I just thought it was better for him not to be in your life and then as part of the control process and the manipulating that abusers Mm -hmm. put their victims through. And I was very young. He just said to me, you know, your mom was a slut. Uh. And he literally said that. And he said, and by the way, your grandmother was a slut Uh. and your aunt and, 
and he took their abuses and he turned them into their issues. Yeah, their, it's everything that happened right. to them was their fault. They brought it on. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't know any of that for wow. years until later on when my mom sat down with me and explained to me a lot of the things that had happened. And I think I said in the book, too, when I was five, my aunt was was watching mm-hmm. me. She was 14 and someone broke in the house and he told her if he woke me up, he didn't know that I was already awake and could hear him, that if she woke me up, he would shoot me. He would kill oh me. And he sodomized her oh. right in the bed. You know, my eyes were closed, but I remember asking my aunt and her just looking at me like, how do you, how do you remember that? And wow. I started to realize I have a really, really good memory. Yeah. Like, I wish I was. I, unfortunately. Like, yeah. I, it's like, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate mm-hmm. because I know people sometimes their trauma, they have memory right. issues. Yeah. But when I finally had the breakdown and I went into that intensive therapy program, they even said to me, your recollection is remarkable. Wow. And my mother could attest to a lot of the stories leading up to and the circumstances mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I came out of there and decided, I really think I need to tell this story. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't. I love how you turned it into power, right? Like, yeah, everything you had been through, you turned it around, you took control. Yeah. And I, I kind of want survivors to know, like, this is what we look like. Mm-hmm. We're, we're regular women and we go through these horrible things. But again, if we're willing to address the trauma mm-hmm. and and work through it and and it's not easy you don't want to because you know trauma it, you know the the body keeps the score that's a book mm-hmm. and it's not just a memory i tell people i don't sit and think about any of them but sometimes something will happen and i'll get a feeling mm-hmm. or it's a, a scent yeah. and it'll bring me back to something it used to be a color mm-hmm. the aqua blue was a color that every time i saw it literally would make me nauseous like triggered you it triggered me because that was the color of my parents bedroom oh, wow and they had a broken light bulb in the hallway and for some reason if i saw an exposed open uh, an, an open light bulb or a broken light bulb, it would make me nauseous mm-hmm. until I started to put all the pieces together. Yeah, I physically felt a reaction. I physically, it's like I couldn't really recall when I was younger, like, why is that making me sick? And of course, I wouldn't tell anyone because <laughs> it's like, well, that, that color makes me sick. And yeah. that's ridiculous, Maureen. <laughs> but um, yeah, they were all these little connections that I yeah. that I learned to make. And, and so growing up and in your adulthood, you just stuffed them down, all this yeah, because, you know, once you get past it or you think you're past mm-hmm. it, I, I ended up marrying a really nice man. I did admit that I, I married him because I could see what a great daddy was going to be mm-hmm. and not realizing that was part of my trauma. Right. Yeah. I have to marry a man that's a good man. He's going to be a good man and he's going to be good to me and I could trust him with my children. Yeah, you have a daughter. And and lo and so behold, I had a daughter, and it was like, oh, my God, I have a little girl. I know. I have a little girl. So that must have been traumatizing, uh, raising her. Or- it, was the, it was the greatest gift I ever had, but I was terrified. Oh, I, sure. I lived most of her younger life being terrified. I remembered going to every school. I told them, you know, that my father had been abusive, not in the way that he was, that no man, no man ever was allowed to take her out of school under any circumstances. 
I mean, I was putting all these roadblocks. We, we would go to softball games because she played softball, and I, I would always kind of like walk the perimeter. And if I saw people that I didn't recognize, I, I, I didn't realize until <clears throat> later on, yeah, I was always. Like extra mama bear. Right. Extra without telling her that. Yeah. But, but, you know, kids, they feel things. Totally. You know? Did you have parameters, I guess, if she had sleepovers or if she was out of the house? I tried really hard. Not to be that person because my mother wouldn't let me go to sleepovers. And look what happened. But ironically, she would let me have sleepovers. So none of those parents knew that their daughters were sleeping in a house oh, with a pedophile yeah. because my mother didn't know. Yeah. Oh, she didn't. Okay. No, I was, was no, going to no. ask you that. My mother did not know. I, I willfully admit that I became the best liar of anyone you could ever At a young age. At a very young age. So hard. And I didn't do it to get away with things. I did it to cover up. Right. Yeah, petrified, scared. I mean, terrified. The the myriad of fucking emotions. Like, you're a child, you're a baby. Yes. And and he would say things like, you know, your mom wasn't raised with a dad either. So she doesn't know the special type of relationship a a daddy has with his daughter. And when you're five and six years old, you're like, well, this feels weird, but but know, you're supposed to be my dad, yeah, yeah. right? Okay, you're but you're and else. I loved him. I right. I adored him because yeah. together they were a striking couple, mm. and I had never seen my mom so happy. And you know, just she was this different woman, and so of course I was going to trust him. And I'm you know, sure you wanted to protect her. You didn't want to ruin her life. Well, that was the thing. It was as I started to get older, and I realized I don't think daughters and their dads right. do things like this. That's what it became. Mm-hmm. But at this point now, I, my mother was having, she had my two brothers and it became, I, I don't want to ruin her life because everyone in my family felt like this man had saved us. Right. Like, and now understanding they're all coming from a traumatic mind. Right. Look at this man. Like he's a hero. He walked in and he saved her. And now, you know, Maureen has a legal, a legitimate last name, you know, and. Years later, I had a, a bitter aunt say that to me when I finally told what was going on. She was like, why can't you just be grateful he gave you a name? Wow. wow. Are and you I, fucking kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. But this was also a woman who had been traumatized. Right. So in her right. mind, I was the pinnacle. Right, right. Like, look at you. Like, and she didn't deal with her trauma. So these are people who are none not dealing of them with trauma, did. you know, living their life who have yes. no clue. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Which is why so. it's so important, I feel like, for people who have had trauma, whether it's sexual abuse, any other. Whatever it is. Yes. That you have to face it. You do. Because I, I also say trauma is trauma is trauma. It doesn't have to be sexual. Like people say, well, I had something happen to me. It's nothing compared to you and I tell them we're not here to compare Mm -hmm. we're here for you to be able to tell me something that you can't tell anyone else Mm -hmm. and you're going to know that I understand and you know I'm going to look at you and I'm going to I am going to be able to say the right words to you and hopefully that'll help you start your journey Mm -hmm. on seeking help or you know letting go of the shame you know seeing yourself for who you are not who you were but I always saw myself as a a little girl that wasn't worthy of anything Mm -hmm. I can remember you know, because I was brought up, I was brought up Catholic, which is a blessing, but can also be a little bit of a curse. <laughs> I know, same. I was brought up Catholic, also. Yeah, so you got that guilt. Catholic guilt, totally yeah, there. Catholic yeah. guilt, and I can remember just, okay, you know what? At least I have a roof over my head, and I have mm-hmm. clothes because there are, you know, back then it was children in Africa and China had mm-hmm. no no food on the table, yeah. so I just found ways to appreciate what I had. But I always, I always ended the thought with, well, you weren't supposed to be here anyway, so you need to just be grateful you're alive. 
And that was a mindset of worthlessness that I took throughout my life yeah. until that nervous breakdown. Right. And so you found just yourself. And obviously, because you didn't deal with that trauma, because you felt unworthless, you found yourself in a toxic relationship. I did. After my divorce, my husband, uh, I will say it till the day I die, nicest guy I ever met. He's been an amazing, he's an amazing dad. But we just outgrew each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it just, it's unfortunate and it happens. And I take a lot of the responsibility because I realized afterwards I was trying to find a father and I became a woman after I got married. And it's like, I'm kind of a woman now. Like I kind of feel, I'd like to feel a couple of other things. Yeah. But he's wonderful. We're still friends. But I, I literally walked into a relationship that was, was what finally brought me to that nervous breakdown. He was um, verbally abusive, physically abusive, emotionally, financially, mentally, everything that he knew about me, he took and he used and he broke against down. me. And he slowly, methodically broke me down. And it took me five or six times to finally leave wow. permanently. And I really, I, I implore people when you know someone who is in a, in a, a toxic relationship or um, an abusive relationship and you don't understand why they're not leaving, mm-hmm. don't don't tell them, well, if it was me, don't ask them, why didn't you leave? Just look at them, hug them and say, I'm so glad you finally got out. Because mm-hmm. when I tell people, I go into schools with Ed Pars and I give them my story and the one story that hits the kids the most and, and that's when I know I have them. I mean, I have most of them, but then I tell them, you know, um, Maybe the second or third time I was trying to leave, I was packing my bags and I was determined. I'm like, I'm getting out of this. Like, I'm a smart woman. I don't need this crap. Mm-hmm. And he came in the doorway. And I'm 5'8". He was 6'7". Mm. And he said, so you're leaving? And I didn't look up. I said, yep. I'm I said, look, this, this, is, <laughs> this is crazy. This is not going to work. And we'll just be, be better with other people and whatever it is. I was sputtering. Mm-hmm. And he said, look at me. And I wouldn't look at him. And he said, look at me. And I turned around, I looked at him, and his left arm was straight out, and he had my shih tzu by the neck. Oh, my gosh. And I looked at him, and in my head, I'm like, he loves animals. He cries when he sees a dead squirrel in the road. He's not going to hurt her. And he said, are you leaving me? And I said, yes, I'm leaving you. And he shook her like a rag doll by her neck. And he did it for a couple of seconds, and I was like, stop. Put her down. And he stopped and he went, are you leaving me? And I took a deep breath and I said, I'm leaving you. And then he shook her for so long and she was crying. And I said, stop, 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 stop. I won't leave. And he dropped her and she ran to me. And then he came and he kneeled down. And I'm going to tell you as mommies, (laughs) you have to remember this. We talk about taking those uh, sexy pictures that kids like to send to each other. And I know your kids are not at that age yet, but you would be surprised what starts in middle school. Oh, I can imagine. And I tell the kids, I was 45 years old when I met him. I thought, all right, we can have a little fun. He'll give me a little sexy shot here and there when he goes to work. You know, he'll come home and he'll be ready to see me. And he took out all those pictures. Wow. And he shoved them in my face. Wow. And he said, if you leave... I'm going to take all these pictures and I'm going to send them to your mother and your brothers and your daughter and your friends and your coworkers so they can see what kind of a pig you are. Wow. And these are the things that abused women endure. 
and these are the reasons why they stay. Mm-hmm. And these are the reasons why they feel shame mm-hmm. and they feel guilt. And, you know, now I've brought this person into my life and now my family is exposed to them. And, you know, even just getting pictures like that would turn their lives upside down. Mm-hmm. They would be completely brought into this traumatic situation. Yeah. And those are the things that slowly, you know, until I woke up that one morning and I thought, I I just want to go back to sleep and I never want to wake up mm. because all I ever wanted was to be happy. Yeah. I right. just wanted to be that happy woman <laughs> and that happy relationship. I had all this love to yeah. give. And I couldn't find anybody to really give it to that right. I connected with yeah. like, and on and that I, level. And obviously, because I think you had so much trauma as a child, you were attracted to this relationship that wasn't a good fit. Yes. And that's why I feel like it's such a red flag and important for women and men. If you go through trauma, you have to heal it or you're going to repeat that pattern. And yes, that's so important to bring out because when I'm looking at high schoolers, I look at the boys mm-hmm. and I say to them, if you think this can happen to you, mm-hmm. You're wrong. Yeah. But I wish parents, especially parents of high schoolers, would understand some of your children are already in abusive relationships. Mm. And they don't want to talk and they don't bring yeah, they're not gonna confide. I, I, just like the fact of so many women just in your family alone mm-hmm. experienced abuse like that right. really mm. starts to make you think like how many women have been abused by family members or, you know, people close to them. I mean, that really puts it in perspective. It does. It does put it in perspective. And most women who are abused end up with men who are abused because we can see, we feel like we can see something in them mm-hmm. that other people can't see. That you want to fix. Yeah. Right. I can look at you and I would say to him, "You're. I know there's a good man in right, there. Right. I know there is a good man in there. That, that just needs the right circumstances and the right person. And other people aren't seeing it, but I see it. Yes. And everybody else is, after a while, they're like, I don't know if I like this guy so much for you anymore. Were there red flags? Yeah, there were a lot of red flags. There, there were red flags when I first met him. Because well, I mean, your daughter, right? Almost immediately. My daughter, yeah. we were, we were, the three of us were in a car coming back from dinner, and her, you know, we were all joking and teasing each other, and I said something to him. I responded something that made both of us, Kayla and I, um, crack up. And he started to laugh, but as he was laughing, he was squeezing my hand, and I laughed, and I was like, hey, like, that hurts. And from the back seat, this 15-year-old kid, mm. you know, take your effing hands off my mother. Like She sensed it was. She, she, she was knit, like, effing yeah. Her up antennas down. were up. Yeah. Oh, she right. was. And, and I was like, Kayla. And she's like, I don't care. Daddy never did that to you. Like, uh, And for the whole weekend, we fought mm-hmm. because I said to her, you need to apologize. Because instead of listening to her. Yeah. I was consumed with the thought of he's he's not going to think I'm a good mom if my daughter talks mm-hmm. that way. You know, like, who cares what he thinks? Right, like, yeah, right. you, you need to be looking at your child and going, this is not my daughter. This mm-hmm. is not how she acts. Right. And then my next thought was, well, it's probably hard for her to see me with another man other mm-hmm. than her dad. Yeah. To be an excuse for that. Yeah. yeah so it was like, it, and the whole weekend we fought. And I said to her, if you don't apologize, then you're going to have to go back and live with your dad. Because I'm not going to have you in this house being disrespectful. And in less than a half an hour, all her bags were were packed, which should have been the biggest red flag because my daughter and I were so close. Right. And she said, you could take me home now. And it killed me because I'm like, home? Like, this is supposed to be your home. And she never lived with me full time again. Wow. Because she didn't want to be around him. She didn't want to be around him. And then I realized through the years she just tolerated him and... She so that she could be around me. Right. But How amazing though that she at fifteen is this, you know, can 
maybe break that yep. like generational yeah. Yeah. pattern. You've been so open with her about everything. Yeah. So, yeah. How do you feel like Kayla is doing and how she's processed it? Kayla, it was really, really hard for Kayla because she knew that he wasn't good. She didn't realize how bad it had gotten between us. She, she had no idea that he was hitting me. She had no idea that... I was running to my brother's house some nights, like Especially barefoot after in my she pajamas. Left, it yes, yeah. it got worse. It got. So Did your brother know what was going on? Well, in the beginning, I made excuses for him too. Right. You know, I was like, well, his diabetes. I think his sugar is low. And I had had a brother-in-law who had diabetes, and when his sugar went low, he he became vicious. Mm-hmm. So I kind of pulled on that experience, right, right. and I'm like, you know how they get. I just got a little nervous. I got a little scared. But there I am, standing there, you know, with my hair right, a right. mess. I'm in my pajamas. I'm barefoot. I'm hiding behind garbage pails because he's riding through the neighborhood screaming my name at 2 o'clock in the morning. And um, But I think by the second time I went to my brother's. Yeah, your brother's like. My brother may have questioned it, but it was my sister-in-law who mm. looked at me and she's like, how, how many more times are you going to do this? Mm. And I just said to her, you don't understand. And she's like, I do understand. And I said, no, you don't. Mm. You don't understand. And I knew if I gave them too much information – there was no way they were going to be able to to Turn, accept him. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I kept protecting him. Wow. Right, right. Because you, you weren't ready to let him go. I well, it, I was ready to let him go, but I was so afraid. The second time that I stayed at my brother's house, my brother and sister in law went out, and he broke into the house. Oh my and God. the dogs were barking, and I went downstairs like, "What's going on? Do you have to go to the bathroom?" And I looked at the the door, and he was coming in the back door. Wow! And w- when I went over, and I was like, "You can't come in here." He just, you know, he was huge, so he just pushed me Jeez. up. You know, I fell over the couch, and he just kind of picked me up by you know the scruff of my neck and threw me on the couch, and he pulled out a gun and put it to my head. Wow! And he said, "You're going to come home because if oh you don't, God. I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to kill your brothers." Wow. I'm going to kill everyone in your family, and I'm going to let you live so you can see what you did. Ooh. I'm like, okay. Wow. And they came home, and I was packing up. My sister was what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh. And I said, I'm going back. We're going to work on it. And, and once I, again, you didn't say anything about that. I didn't yeah. tell them that he, you know, it's yeah. like, no, think I'm crazy, whatever. But because if I go back, you're my right. only, like, they were my only safety right. so it's like if i could keep them in my lives and i always knew well let's go visit my brothers let's go visit my mother that at least during that time he was going to be on his best behavior right yeah and i could breathe a little bit yeah how many years were you with him for? i was with him in total including friendship well uh, was seven years wow yeah because i did leave after the breakdown and i did at a certain point stay friends with him and when I did that, that was when he almost truly killed me. Wow. And after that, I got the final restraining order. And that kept him away because I know sometimes. Well, right, he like, he's ex-law enforcement. Uh, and I wish I had thought of this sooner because the last thing an ex-law enforcement. Again. Well, but the last thing they want to do is go to jail. Oh, well, yeah. They don't want to go to jail. Yeah. But they, they did take all his guns away from him. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what happened to him afterwards, but I did Close confide that. in all of you that just a couple of weeks ago, after all these years, I saw him. And it must be so hard. all those feelings came back, right. but I was stronger. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, 
that's the past. Your heart must have been pounding. It was, you know, it was. The store that I was walking into, I was only supposed to be in for two minutes, and I stayed in there for an hour because I still had that mindset of he's probably sitting right. outside waiting to see where my car is. Yeah. yeah maybe he'll follow terrifying. me, or maybe he still has connections mm-hmm. with the police force, and he can, he can run my license plate and find out exactly where I live. And I just... You know, I realized, wow, that never goes away. No, yeah. Never goes away. Yeah. I just, I just want to back up real quick. Yeah, so sure. the um, instance in which he hurt your dog, mm-hmm. is that that's it was that the um, scenario that, that <clears throat> had you with the mental breakdown? Was no. That, oh, okay. I didn't I, no. Okay, what was the it trigger? It wasn't the trigger was he was really escalating and he was getting bad and we were going to a Christmas event with my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the Polar Express. I yeah. think it was only the first or second year oh, it was out and okay. I was so excited. Yeah. And I had little nieces and nephews and I thought this is going to be great. And we stopped to get something to drink at a Seven Eleven, And when we pulled in a car... Um, when we pulled, when we pulled in, he went to like back out to straighten it up, and a car almost hit us, mm. and kind of parked next to us, and I knew instantly he was actually driving my car, and he was like F and A or whatever. But we went, they went into different stores, and I was just sitting in the car, and but they came out at the same time, and they both got in the car together, and I'm sitting there like. I know exactly what he's going to do. And he pulled the car out and he stopped Mm. and he waited for the other guy to pull his car out and come toward us. And then he just sat there. And of course the guy, the guy hit his horn and he, he look look at me. That's how old I am. He rolled down the window (laughs) and caused a scene and started screaming at the guy. So the guy rolls down his window and they start cursing at each other and he got out of the car and he went over to approach the guy, and the co- guy, didn't, to his credit, didn't care how big John was. He got out of his car, and then his wife got out of the car. And I was sitting in my car. And as a child, when I would get emotionally overwhelmed with my dad, I would just put my hand over my ears, mm-hmm. and I would rock back and forth on my bed. And I was sitting in the car, and all of a sudden, I felt like that's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought oh, this is going to be so bad. And she was screaming at him, and, and I wouldn't get out of the car. I just looked ahead. I wouldn't look what How was happening. Yeah. And he got back in the car, and as we started to drive away, he opened the car door, and she was screaming at him, and he said, shut up, you fat, and he called her the C word. Mm-hmm. And I just froze because he had called me that word. but And he he peeled out and was laughing hysterically. And he's like, can you believe that guy? And I was I was just looking out the window, and then he looked at me. He's like, what's the matter with you? He's like, and by the way, you know, she may be a fat C-U-N-T, but at least she got out of the car. At least she had his back. Look at you sitting here, worthless, sitting here. And he just berated me, and we stopped at a red light. And he said, get the F out of the car. And I said, you want me to get out of the car? He goes, get the F out of the car if you're going to have an attitude. I'll go see your family by myself. I said, and if I get out of this car and you drive away, I'm going to report my car stolen because you're driving my car. And, you know, you have that moment of, and then, of course, he just hits the gas and the whole way up there screaming at me, calling me every name in the book. And we get to the Polar Express. And and he's, like, made it very clear to my family he's pissed at me because they can see us. And we're walking to the train, and I see my mother. And I'm thinking, oh, God. And I, I ran up to him. And I said, please, please don't do this with me. He's like, get the F away from me. And I'm like, please, my family is here. And then finally I realized he wasn't going to let it go. And 
I put myself in front of him and I said, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I should have had your back. I should have jumped out of the car. You were right. He was this. And, you know, I started repeating everything that he called him and everything. And, like, he kind of stopped and just his face was looking forward, but he just looked down, down at me. And he's like, you see, now, if you would just listen to me, mm. then we'd never have a problem. Right. And I'm like, please, please don't do this. Like, it's the kids, John. Yeah. And the kids were like, John, John. And we got to the train, and he was fine, but I could not. I couldn't engage. I was so rattled. And my mother noticed, and she sat next to me, and she just held my hand the whole time, and she just kept looking at me. And I'm like, this is great, isn't it? And she was like, "It's, it's wonderful. And he was having fun with the kids, and I sat there, and I felt nothing. Wow. And that's how I woke up the next morning. And you're like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this anymore. I just want out. I can't do this. I can't tell my family. This is all my fault. I left my husband. Three months later, I moved in with this guy. I really didn't know. Everybody mm-hmm. told me not to do that. Like, you just, like— The world crashed down, And then right? it just—everything went silent, and right. I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, that and, was the catalyst. And I know the trauma therapy was, at first, your book is amazing. And I love how you talk about it because at first you resisted it. Oh, I resisted it like a true Brooklyn girl that I am. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, these doctors walked in and they were like, they weren't even 30 years old. And I'm like, oh, geez, this child is supposed to heal me. <laughs> yeah, was, what is she going to tell me? Were that you I a doubter? You were a doubter. I, I was complete. I was like, oh, geez, oh, my God, I really am going to die. Now oh, I'm not so sure I want to yeah. die, but I'm going to die. Wow. And uh, for two weeks, I did not engage. And then finally, my head therapist pulled me out, and she said, "If you don't get it together, we're sending you to the hospital." Which was my biggest fear. Oh, like I did not patient. want my daughter coming home yeah. and finding me at this on the psychiatric oh. ward because I'm like, I'm not crazy. I'm broken. Right. And but I, they were threatening you with the inpatient. They were because yeah. I wasn't eating. I wasn't yeah. sleeping. There was so much more to it. Yeah, and, and got through to you. Yeah. Yeah. I I woke up the next day. I took a shower. I did my hair. I put my makeup on. I had been wearing the same clothes for two weeks. That I showered and washed them every night. But a black hoodie, black pants, black sneakers, no makeup. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I woke up and I, up I got dressed right. and I walked in and I passed by her office and she was like, oh, there she is. And I said, whatever they tell you to do, just do it. Mm-hmm. She have no choice. Mm-hmm. You're in it. Yeah. yeah. And I flourished. That's awesome. I finally You surrendered. Started. I did. Right. I finally yeah. said, okay. And I was on a mental health track because they didn't have a trauma track and they started the trauma track with me. Wow. wow. And now okay. that that place has a, tr- a, a a track that for people with trauma, that's, that's those are the groups that they're in to deal with that. And when I realize that, I'm like, oh, I'm onto something here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, through oh your through the unfortunate events that you have gone yes. through, yes, you <clears throat> forged a path now for yeah. others. You know, to and flourish. I it was the first thing I was really proud of. I was like, oh my God, these doctors are going to start a trauma track and they're starting <laughs> it with cool. me. Like yeah. I, I must have said something. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what also the book started while I was in therapy because oh, I yeah. was, it was I was recalling so many things and I was just kind of writing them down and I gave them to my brother and I'm like, yeah, so this is what it's like and he looked at it he was like, this is a book. Wow. And was writing therapeutic? That was that was my skill. Uh, yeah. When I was over, I just started writing and like writing. journaling, yeah. right? I journaled a lot when I was a kid, and then my father found it because oh, he used to snoop through my stuff. And I realized I can't ever keep a diary or a journal. Mm-hmm. So I think what I did was I just stored all those memories away anyway. Right. And, yeah. So, yeah. so can I ask when, at what point did you tell your mother 
What was going on with your stepfather and how did she handle it? Or She did not handle it well. I was 15 oh. when I finally told her. And her first response to me was, now do you understand why I always told you to wear a bra? Mm-hmm. And she sent me to live with my great aunt, who ended up being the one who told me I should just be grateful I have a name. Mm-hmm. Of course, at that point, I did not know that my mother had been sexually abused several times. And <clears throat> for the first month, we didn't talk, wow. which I know is new to you because you see what I write about her online. Yes, I love Ronnie. We can talk about that. Yeah. I love Ronnie. Ron- Ronnie is Ronnie's <clears throat> mom. She is amazing. Was and amazing. Yeah. She was amazing, yes. And... But in a way, that started the conversation between her and I mm-hmm. because I was brokenhearted that she said that to me because it was like she blamed me. Mm-hmm. And when she finally got herself together, she sent him to a mental hospital, which is why I don't think I wanted – like if you put me in a mental hospital, then I'm That's like, what you're yeah, equating right. it yes. to, right? That makes she sense. sent me to live with my aunt. She had my two brothers. She was working as a cashier in a supermarket her world trying to figure out, out what yeah. the hell do I do now? And then eventually he was released from the hospital, and they said, uh, no, he's not attracted. He's just a little obsessed with her, because back then, what did they know? It was 1979. Oh, And uh, she brought me back home, and she put us both at the table, and she said to me, you tell me what he did to you. Wow. And I remember, like, what? She said, I want you to tell me what he did to you. So I started to say everything that he had done to me up until that point. And she said to him, is she telling me the truth? And he said, I don't recall any of that, but if if I did anything like that to you, then I'm sorry. And she knew right then and there he was a liar. Mm -hmm. And she stayed with him a few more years to be able to to, um, get money under her belt. Mm -hmm. And I, on my 18th birthday, I moved out. And she was getting ready to leave, and then we had a terrible illness in our family that really she had to she had to help take care of that person. And once that person passed, she divorced him. And we had really started talking, and that's how I found out about the rest of my family. That's when I told her I remembered what happened to my aunt when I was a little girl. Oh. And the guilt, it could still make me cry because up until the day she died— we still talked about how she didn't feel she deserved me. And I said to her, you couldn't be any more wrong. Like, we beat him. Mm -hmm. You know, he left, and we we went back to the amazing relationship we used to Mm -hmm. have before he destroyed that. Yeah, you were able to heal. We were so able to heal from that. But, you know, my mom went to therapy, and my mom, she did the work, too. And it was even harder for her because she was older, Mm -hmm. and now I brought this man into my daughter's life. Mm -hmm. And... And together, like, we kind of felt like Batman and Robin in a way. Yeah. Because when you wrote your book, your mom was still alive and she was supportive. I remember meeting her at a book signing and she showed up as the proud mom. She was so proud that I broke that cycle. Yeah. You know, she said, you really made sure that any little girls that are born Mm -hmm. into our family will never, ever, ever have to go through that again. Mm -hmm. And... I think, you know, when I said to her, I think you have to start to take a little a little bit of credit for that, too, mm-hmm. because I, you know, I I loved you enough to tell you the truth. 
Yeah. And you loved me enough to listen. You didn't tell me what everyone else in the family said. Well, we'll just keep an eye on you and we'll make sure you're not alone with him anymore. Mm-hmm. You Action. you made us leave so that you could figure out. Like, that's what she said. Mm-hmm. I needed both of you gone so that I could figure out what do I do. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't clearly, know what yeah. to do with this. Right. And, I, you know, I said to her, and when you knew better, you did better. Yes. And mm-hmm. I love that saying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and when I knew better, I did better. Mm-hmm. And it helped relieve some of the guilt with my daughter, my own daughter. Mm-hmm. But... um it it never makes it fully go away. Yeah, and he's the father to your brothers, right? Or your the, the your stepfather? No, my stepfather. My 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 mother's cousin introduced him. Oh yes, he's the father to my brothers. To your brothers. So we never. You, I never say stepbrother. Sorry, sorry. No, no. Because no, no. You're. You know, yeah, no. They're your yeah, brothers. I mean, your stepfather. Yeah, my stepfather is, is there. the father of my brothers. So, did they yeah. have a relationship with him? They had a relationship until my brother met a woman who had a son, and he was my daughter's age at the time. Because I never told my brothers. I said to my mother, oh, I never know. want them to think. Wow. I never want them to think that. That uh, their father is, was that person where they could, like, something yeah. wrong with me now. I love, my, my brothers and I are so right. close. And um, then my, my one brother met a woman who had a son. And we were at Easter dinner. And my mom was like, so what's everybody doing after uh, Easter breakfast? We always did Easter breakfast. So what's everybody doing after Easter breakfast? I said, oh, we're going to Mike's family, blah, blah. And my brother turned around. He said, you know what? We're not going anywhere. Her and I are going to the movies. Dad's going to watch Ryan. And he said that, and I just kind of like, I could feel the blood drain Uh, from me. And I looked up, and my mother was staring at me. uh, Like, we have to tell him. And I just turned around, I looked at him, and I said, oh, before we go any further, I need to talk to you for a second. And I brought him upstairs, and I told him what happened. Wow. And he goes, that's why you were always in the house, out of the house. That's why you were always punished. And I said, yeah. And they went home. They decided to go home. And my sister-in-law told me, you know, he just cried the whole time. Like, I can't believe he did that to her. And then I told my other brother. And then what they did was they confronted him. And they said, all you have to do is tell us, is it true? And he said, your mother and your sister are liars. Wow. And my brother, who had the son, said, you are never allowed in this house again wow. and they both wrote him off completely wow. <clears throat> almost completely and totally yeah. like no again my mother and my sister would not lie mm-hmm. about something like right. this and my brother had enough of a, mem- a memory to remember to put peace how intentious right. her relationship yeah. was and that i was always punished and that i was i was i had run away a few times oh. you know just to friends houses but and yeah it it really the whole cycle broke because there was no one. And the people who did remain close to him in my family eventually were, were not invited to my life anymore yeah. either. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so after the all the trauma work you did, then you started doing some speaking events? I did. <laughs> that's awesome. So I, I did. How do you, I guess, can you tell us how you help other people who go through this and... Well, I right now my my biggest contribution is to the Stephanie Nicole Pars Foundation. Ed Pars was looking for survivors to talk about their experiences because his daughter Stephanie was in an abusive relationship and subsequently was murdered by her abuser. Wow. So I I wrote to Ed and I said, "Look, I'm an author. I wrote this book and, you know, if you ever need anybody to speak." And he called me within 15 minutes. Wow. wow. And he's like, 
do I need people to speak? Yeah. And now he and I go into high schools. And this year has been you. such a blessing because it's like one high school led us, another high school led us. And then this year they're all getting in touch. We, now yeah. we want you to come here. We yeah. want you to come. So we have a lot of speaking mm-hmm. engagements this year. I've spoken. I've, I had gone back for several years to the facility I was in and spoke to the the trauma track patients that were there to let them see like you really can heal but you kind of have to give into it you have to be willing yeah and um i literally will speak anywhere yeah and hopefully uh, when we speak in the high schools we always have kids that come up to us i was going to ask yeah what is that what kind of your you know whether it's their own situations or maybe they're even witnessing stuff yes both it's both Mm -hmm. and it kills me because I, I look at them and I'm like, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. And now even Ed, we can start talking and literally can pinpoint the kids that we know are, gonna- are in trouble because you can see their faces drop You mm-hmm. can, or they're just looking down or they start to cry or they yeah. have to get up and leave. Their demeanor, yeah. yeah. And when they come up to us, you know, I tell them, please get in touch, get in touch with us. We have f- free group meetings that you can come to. Everything is is um, confidential yeah. and I run them right. and you just need someone to talk to yeah. and I also am a, I'm a supporter of another organization called BACA, Bikers Against Child Abuse and what they do is when they, they get a case of an abused child, they escort the child to the court right. Right? and awesome. they sit in the whole front so that if that child has to get up and testify So they're not scared? So they're That's not scared. Yeah. They they have this whole wall of these really big hearted, <laughs> sometimes that scary looking bikers. That might be the girls. best thing ever. Yeah, that's right. Who show up for the kids? They sh- oh, and that's it. They're just there. They show up for the kids. The kids get their own little cuts with their own little road names on them. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah, like it's too. so incredible. They're, they're told like you're part of this family now, and if you ever need anyone, oh you know God. they're assigned to specific people. But what an amazing it, thing that is! That is yeah. beautiful. I love that organization, so I support it wow. because wholeheartedly. I'm, I'm sure you know as a child or. A victim, but you need confidence. So they're giving the confidence. Yeah. They're giving that okay. confidence, yeah. and they're like, "Look, we're your family now. Yeah. That person, yeah, like, look yeah. at that person. Yeah. If I yeah, had yeah, someone yeah. like us, yeah. right? Because all the abusers do is tear whomever down anyway. Yeah, scared. Yeah, right. And the thing I love about Baca is they do background checks, yeah. so that they're not bringing in people mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. have records or, God forbid, were pedophiles right. themselves. Mm-hmm. They're very diligent. In, in what they do, and they empower children to feel safe in the world again. That's yeah. amazing. Because the world is a scary place yeah. when when it, you're being abused. It is. And I, I, how many people, right, do, do we know that we don't even realize that uh, trauma? Yeah. Can, Absolutely. Now, so sort of like the interesting thing and amazing that you have dealt with your trauma. So your abusers, do you know of any trauma they had as kids? Because isn't typically when someone acts out in either a violent way or, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist or <laughs> psychologist, but typically it's caused by trauma, right? Mental illness. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of the yeah. There's a high percentage of abusers who who came from abusive situations. Which just shows how important it is right. to deal with it. Yes. Or it will manifest exactly. horribly. It will manifest horribly. Sometimes uh, those people go on and, and, and choose to completely be a different person, mm-hmm. but I'm sure in its own right, it's a struggle mm-hmm. because they still have to deal with what, what they went through. But they, they treat the people around them much better than they were treated. But a lot of times 
particularly with men, if they come from an abusive father or mother or just an abusive relationship, they're going, it's, it's kind of like even with alcoholism, if, if your parents were an alcoholic, then ch- the chances are you are going to be an alcoholic or susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> they, they will abuse, they, they, they only know how to communicate through abuse. And what I mean by that is they don't go into every fight thinking, you know, I'm going to beat the crap out of this woman. Mm -hmm. But if it escalates, then what happens is something triggers in them. Like I said, the body keeps score. Mm -hmm. So there's a part of them that's like, no, you have to listen to me. No, you better listen to me because when they were growing up, no one listened to them. Mm -hmm. And now this person is not their wife or their husband. This person is just someone who is just challenging them and not letting them talk and not letting get their points across and what happens is they just give in to that Mm. and it's like you know shut the f up and they become the monster they become the monster and usually they usually do feel very guilty after Mm -hmm. that a lot of them i didn't mean to respond that way i didn't mean to react Mm -hmm. i didn't mean what i said but they become they become narcissists and they become manipulators because they should do it over and over and over again yeah and those are then they know what kind of women to let in their lives. Right. And if you're a strong woman, they're not going to let you. If they right. think that you're a stronger woman than what they're looking for, mm-hmm. they're not going to let you in their life. Yep. You know, they're just they're going to find that woman who sees them, who's not here, and yeah. listens to their story mm-hmm. and goes, "Oh my God, that's horrible." Right. I mean, how did you get through that? Right. Instead of the woman who looks at them and goes, "Let me tell you." If that was my dad, I would have kicked his. Like, you know, yeah, like, right. who's going to give them a response that's like, "You're not the woman that I can." Yeah, I can. Right. I can hit her hard. Right. You know, there's so many things. Ugh. There's so many different things. But is, yes, it is true that it, it starts with it. A, a lot of people are responding to abuse that they went through. But then I'll, there are an awful lot of people out there who are just not good people. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's, yeah. A, there's a nature versus nurture mm-hmm. situation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's components. And I love them that you are putting the message out to young women and even older women. Like no matter where you are in your life, like if you feel like you have been through trauma and you're not processing it, it's never too late to get mm-hmm. help. It's never, ever, ever too late. My mom, she just passed away in October. She was 78 years old, and she was still doing the work on herself. Yeah. She was still, she, the last <clears throat> the last 10 years of her life were the best years of her life Aww. because she, she did the work, and she became that woman she wanted to be. She blossomed. She yeah, did. Right. She and lived life with a purpose. She yeah. lived it with, with a huge purpose, and it just made us even closer as a family than we already were. Right. And um, I mean, I feel like, so the Marine I know, like the, reading your story, I was like, that's not the Marine I know. Like, you know, that's what I was like, are yeah. you looking at me differently? <laughs> no. <laughs> I met Marine at a book signing a couple of years ago with your mom, Ronnie, and you are one of the most gracious, sweet, brave, awesome, oh connecting people I know. So it's so cool to see you can one? go, yeah, you can go through trauma and you can come out completely right. a different person. I wish I could shrink you and like, <laughs> or like just kind of clone you, shrink you, put you in my pocket yeah. and go, wait a minute, let me tell you who I am. Yeah. Go ahead, little Jen. Yes. <laughs> and it's so cool. Like, I didn't know that you went through all that. So you can totally, anybody who's listening and who who's been through it, like you, doesn't define you. It it's doesn't. Like, it really doesn't. Amazing. And that is so you. amazing. And I want to say too, like last year, Ronnie got diagnosed, right? With well, no, Ronnie was diagnosed ten years ago. Okay. She had um, kidney cancer, nine eleven related kidney oh, cancer. Wow. She was down in she was down by the Trade Center mm-hmm. when um, you know they collapsed, and she was one of those 
I say those white people yeah. that was covered in all that dust. Oh, she, she, worked, in. she worked. She worked down there. She worked. She worked two blocks from there. Wow. Yeah. And um, when she left her building, she thought it was safe. Right. And she literally left her building, turned right, and that's when the cloud wow. came God. around her corner. Yeah. And you know, she she said that she thought she was going to die right there, and I'm then sure. she couldn't breathe. Yeah. Couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And then subsequently, she developed uh, kidney cancer from wow. that. And she fought 10 years, wow. but when she came to live with me, we had been told those would be the last six to eight weeks okay, of her life. Okay, that's what it was. Like, Aww. the doctors were prognosis. Yeah, was- they were like, she's got six to eight weeks, and she gave us 14 more months. That, wow. and, I re- and I take credit for that. Yeah. yeah I was, like, cooked every night, yeah. which I never did even when I was married. And I followed your journey because you were very open about it on Facebook. And I what was. I admired was this, your mom and you were both faced with this grim, you know, news but you guys every day had an adventure or would write about how you embraced life or you saw family or you yeah. enjoyed each other's company. And I was like, wow. Yeah, that's like, amazing. Even with bad news, you weren't going to yeah. give up and crawl in a hole. No, she was, she said, look, what, you, you know, I'll tell cancer when I'm ready. Aww. And if I can't tell cancer, then God will tell cancer yeah. when, when I'm ready. And my mother quite literally lived until her last day conscious. She went and got her hair done that morning in Staten Island. That's amazing. And came home and was hanging out with my brothers because, of course, in 14 months, the only time I left to go away for a few days was when she took that turn. And my brother said, she just said, I'm I'm just so tired. And they said, okay. And she went up and she went into her bed, which she never did. So when I called later and they were like, I don't know. Mom seems like a little different. You know, she was tired and she took a nap. I said, well, that's normal. And and I don't know why I asked. I went, she fell asleep on the couch, right? And he said, no, she went to bed. And mm-hmm. I came home the next day and she was already starting to slip away. But I said, how, how much like her? If this is my time, I got to get my hair done. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I got to look good. I want to look like yeah. myself. Like, that's all I kept thinking was, oh, oh Ronnie, like, you just. <laughs> yes. And she, you know, she lingered for a few days. Oh. But I think it was just enough time for the people who didn't live near us to, to come gather. home and say goodbye and to listen to us gather. Because she loved to be in another room when we were all uh-huh. together. And she, and I'd be like, Ma, what are you doing in here? She's like, I just love listening I'm to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And she passed, you know, she passed peacefully. Wow. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a, the probably the best 14 months of my life in, in a certain way. Yeah. Because I had no regrets and I felt, I really did feel like, like God and the universe gave us back time that he took from yes. us yeah, because I had to leave or the things that he wouldn't, he would complain to my mother about, about us doing that he didn't like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we stopped doing, I felt like we got that all back in those last 14 That's months. So um, I love well, that. Yeah. And so it's almost, it was almost like putting up the middle finger to him. Like yeah. you yeah. thought you beat us. And in the end, no. you died alone in a hospital chair, having a heart yeah. attack. And she was surrounded by everyone I that love she loved. Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, that story of me and my mom and him ended yeah. perfectly. Yeah. 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 I feel like when you look up the word resilient in the, in the, yeah. the dictionary, you're going to see Seriously. Yeah. your face Thank and your mom's you. face. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly. Like, Thank you. You've had everything stacked against right. you since you're a little girl. 
Like yeah. before you could even figure anything out on your own and you oh, are no. here and you are vibrant and, you know, your soul, like I feel it. Like, Aww, you know. Thank you. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to reach the other women who have that in them too. Yes. yes. And yeah. I want them to know you literally can wake yes. up. Like I, I said, I don't wake up with my dukes up anymore yeah. because I felt like every morning it was like, what am I going to have to fight yeah. through today? Uh-huh. What am I going to have to get through today? Or is it going to be a good day? I love that I can just wake up How and, just, and just be comfortable in my own and skin and, and feel like, yeah, this is my story, but I'm I'm still writing it. Right. And, and you get to choose your happiness. I right? do. Yeah. I do. But I also always tell people if you have a dad or a grandfather that's lonely and is looking for a woman that's going to be in her <laughs> 60s in a few months, <laughs> please send him my way. <laughs> Ethan is just like more. <laughs> you single, Ethan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I guess do you have any advice for women who feel like they're about to go through a mental breakdown or who have like what advice would you give somebody who's broken well the first thing i would do is tell you to reach out to family and friends let them know what you're going through so that you can get away from what it is that may be causing you Mm -hmm. to feel that way Mm -hmm. and then immediately seek out help and if, if you don't know someone to go to to seek that help out from, go to the hospital because that's what I did. I went to the emergency room. And after they told me that there was nothing wrong with me, the one of the, the counselors from the hospital came to me. And when I told her, I just broke down. Wow. She was the one who called that facility and said, this woman is coming tomorrow. Wow. Because you didn't know about it, right? Like I the didn't. Hospital. I didn't know that's anything awesome. about so it. They were able to connect you. They that's were incredible. able to connect me. She made the appointment for me. and wow. and Or, you know what? Go to um, snpfoundation.org and call one of us at the foundation, oh. and we can we can direct you in in yeah. the right direction because there are a lot of places that you can go. Yeah, yeah. we'll link all of this stuff yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought you're doing all this work. Truly, really. thank people. you. Truly, thank you. And I feel like it's so important people to know there's no shame in asking no. for help. No, Mm-mm. there isn't, and there was there was no one more stubborn than me. Oh. I did not. Nope, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. My friends think, you know, I'm this tough woman, and and then you're just like, oh God, I don't want to be that person anymore. Mm-hmm. They only see that person because that's the the wall and the facade mm-hmm. I've put up, mm-hmm. and that's just not who I am. I'm yeah. a really nice person. <laughs> <laughs> right. Great, and yeah. we all go through things in life, and I feel like we all need therapy. And I'm so happy that therapy is a topic in you know our culture again, mm-hmm. where I feel like it is becoming more acceptable because yes. how much stuff do we all go through? Yeah, we go through a lot. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, we go through a life lot. Life is tough. So I feel like it's so important for all of us to take care of our mental health, to show up, to be better moms, yep. to be better friends, right. daughters, you know, sisters. Yeah. So I love your message. Thank you. Press Pause is an amazing book. And so also, where can people find you? Every, you have a podcast, right? I do have a podcast. Why am I not? Unsilenced. <laughs> Unsilenced, unashamed, unstoppable. Thank yes. you. I'm like, all of a sudden, I went blank. And you just started that podcast too, right? About six months That's ago. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's on, it's on all platforms. It's on iHeart. It's on Amazon. It's on Spotify. It's And you guys cover all types of topics? We talk about everything. I have people come on, and I just want to hear their stories because oh, yeah. people are so fascinating yes. to me. Yeah. And the right? things that they talk about, I just kind of... You know, I love to talk, but I love to listen yeah. even more. Yeah. Like, I just want to, like, really? Tell me yeah. what else happened. Isn't oh it my like the secret life, right? It's addicting. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. And, like, I want to be that yeah. person. Like, tell me. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, um, yeah. So I started that That's awesome. platform. And we're getting ready to start a little project called Queen Agers, um, okay. where women between the ages of 50 and 65 
and we're going to sit at the table and we're going to talk about what women between the ages of 50 and 65 go through. I love that. You know, it's like... I, I can lose weight, but I can't. I can't lose these random hairs that grow out of my chest. <laughs> that all of a sudden I'm like, I literally twirl my finger around this and pull it out of my chest. Nobody saw this. What are you talking about? And then it's like you won't say. I mean, it. I think you need to lower the age on those straggly yeah. hairs. Well, actually, we're going to talk to other queen agers, and then we're going to talk to pre queens. Oh, okay. And those are women between 20 and 49. Yeah, so you're all pre queens. Because we yep. want to hear, we want to hear about what you're doing and how it compares to how we did things. Oh, so, so we're going to try to develop that. this whole kind of mindset and this tribe. Is it a podcast? It, it's we're actually going to film it. Oh, I love it. And cool. we're going to put it on YouTube. YouTube. We're going to look out for that. And so fun. There, there's five of us. It's not always going to be five of us, but then we invite four other women to the table. That's amazing. That, yeah. that don't know in. us, yeah. and we don't pre-queens. know. Queens. Yeah, if you yeah. Queens. We, I'm definitely going to have you be pre queens because we need to have these conversations. Yes. yes. Not all Jersey housewives. No. I don't have yeah. anything against them. I yeah. don't. And if you are, mm-hmm. God bless you because you're looking fabulous and you're living fabulous. But most of the real. women aren't you. Yes. Okay. I want to talk to real women. Well, I'll say, for in my case, I lost my mother um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to have Aww. a collective of yes. older women to be able to hear, yes. like, real-life shit. Yes. You know, it's so that important. They can tell you what's ahead. Right. Just or, like, bounce, laugh. like, yes. stuff off. You guys, you know, yeah. And also to have teenagers come to the table because I've learned through speaking at high schools that I say things to them that their parents won't say to them. And when they're looking at me like, and I tell them, I know it's kind of shocking. I'm I'm telling you that at 45 years old, I took naked pictures of myself. You think your mother's going to tell you that? They're like, no. (laughs) Or talk to you about it. Pay attention to me then. How many times are parents (laughs) embarrassed to talk to their kids about the hard stuff? Yes. And I get that. If my mom ever told me something like that, I would just die. That's what I mean. I don't want to hear you. and, And I told Kayla a lot of things, but... No, I didn't. I don't know that she would have received it the same no, way. No, it lands. Yeah. 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 That has to come so from much. a stranger. It lands differently. And I am yeah. willing to yes. be that stranger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like that. Yeah. Like, picture this naked, guys. You don't want those pictures out there for the rest of your life. You and know. they don't go away. People they have them. They, and, don't, yeah. they don't. Yeah. So we want to have all conversations. I love it. And really kind of gather up girls and, and just say, hey, like, there's so many of us out there that you can relate to. You don't have to look like that. Yeah. You can just look True mom boss. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, true mom bosses. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, I thank you for being vulnerable and honest. Oh, thank you for so having much. me. I'm so excited. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and um, <laughs> are you on Facebook or Instagram where people could find? I am you? on Facebook, Maureen Spitaro. I'm on Instagram. Instagram is Maureen Spitaro. Then it's B C. She is. Awesome. Because okay. she is. I like that. We will cool. link, link it all. It. Yeah. 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 I bought your book from Amazon. Press pause. So. Yes. Yeah, so. It's also on my website. Awesome. MaureenSpitaro.com. Perfect. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate this is great. it. great. Thank yeah. you so much. I had so much fun. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. See you next time.